Hello and welcome back to the Futurism at JT podcast. Today I'm joined by Max, Ricardo, and John. Hello. What's up? And today's topic is the world in 100 years. So as we look into the future, the big contingency, you know, the big elephant in the room, well, there are multiple elephants in the room, but I, I would argue that the biggest one is climate change. Um, and it's really this existential threat that will really determine if we're even here in 100 years. So what do you guys think? Are are we going to get our act together in time? Because, you know, according to, I don't know, the UN, I guess, it's like they, they think we only have like eight years to like take massive action, like by 2030, before there's like irreversible effects. Um, and that would mean that like, literally, well, at least in the US, one of the next two US presidents needs to take like huge action um, against climate change. So what do, you, what do you guys think? Are we, are we in some deep trouble? Or can we get ourselves out of it? I think that the biggest thing that needs to happen in order for us to get out of trouble is for the entirety of the public to be somewhat, quote, radicalized in order to push certain legislative action through. Because I think that's really what needs to save us. We have the technology. We just need, we just need the people to be, to really, um, to really push the legislative action that will make it so that we can become a, a society that has a lesser impact, a less harsh impact on our climate. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good point. Like, in the end, I mean, consumers can have an impact, like bottom up impact, but in the end, it's the legislation that, that's going to govern, you know, what I guess, you know, com companies and like big corporations are doing. Um, and like, if the government says something, right, it's like, they tell, you know, these big, like oil companies or something like, sorry, you know, like, <laughs> you're, <laughs> right. you're not going to do business anymore. Or they tell they mandate all companies to have, you know, 100% renewable energy, or like be carbon, not even carbon neutral, but like carbon negative at this point, or would be carbon negative? Yeah, like actually taking out carbon from the atmosphere, not being neutral even. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's, the problem is legislation is just slow, right? But we don't have time to be slow, you know? So I think it's going to be kind of like you said, it's going to require like just a collective consumer action, like in, at the individual level, but I, I don't know if that's enough. I think the governments of the world are going to need to kind of come together and like save the planet, basically. Um, that is a good point. Yeah. We probably should have been radicalized like decades ago. Yeah. You know, in order for there to have been effective political action. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Al Gore wrote his book like how, how many years ago? That was like uh, right around the Bush election, right? So that would have been about 20-ish, 25. Yeah, and now we have heeded almost none of that. And <laughs> yeah. we're, kind of backed into, we're kind of backed into the corner now where we 
like you know back then it could have been just a few people kind of making big changes up there but now it really does need to be everybody not only at not only in terms of power where you have government governmental people putting mandates in place and making laws but it has to be consumer on a consumer level where we do recycle actively and we do you know try our best to not use as much energy and to conserve as much as we can and that's a taller task i would argue than taking action 20 years ago because that could have been gradual and we're not allowed to be you know slow and steady anymore yeah we have to become radicalized and you know or quote radicalized which isn't actually that radical when talking about survival yeah i think the problem is i think it was you who were mentioning it max but like a small group of so-called radicalized people may not be enough because it's like you know yeah it just it's just gonna require like a huge collective action one thing that i could see that could be promising is you know in the end everyone is run you know governments corporations people we're all motivated by like profit right and money so if we can somehow make like renewable energy and being sustainable like very lucrative like more lucrative than you know like the fossil fuel um kind of energy source i think that could be very promising because like if if we're able to make renewable energy much more profitable than fossil fuels like companies going to be like holy crap what am i doing like i should go into solar and wind power right and governments are going to say why am i subsidizing fossil fuels when we could be boosting the economy and also creating more renewable energy like i guess just companies and like initiatives um i think could also um really help economies like with jobs um like right now the us well i guess we're doing better now but we had a huge unemployment issue and we could create a lot of like green jobs like not only making the planet or helping the planet but also bringing people out of poverty and giving them like jobs i think that yeah meaningful jobs so i think obviously that's a big ask yeah (laughs) like you know renewable energy is still i don't think it's past that threshold where it's more profitable than fossil fuels yet but i think it could be very soon and it may just be like a technology thing like someone maybe one of us even like discovers an extremely cheap and efficient way to harness like solar power or something or geothermal power and then all of a sudden it's like holy crap like everyone's gonna jump on this um and just naturally go to the more profitable energy source so yeah again it's a big ask but i think that to me is a promising way like i think you actually make a really good point too in saying that um if we make renewable energy um profitable for companies then they will ultimately go to that because right now like you said uh, renewable energy just hasn't been marketed super well i don't think um i think that you could potentially market 
renewable energy in a way that would ultimately yield more profits for a company even yeah. than fossil fuels. Um, uh, you know, for example, uh, say we have solar powered cars or solar powered anything really, you could figure out some way that you could track how much energy was being used and then charge the person exactly how much um, they would have been charged had they been using some sort of fossil fuel, right? Wow. And it makes it so that, I, I mean, it's sort of a compromise because, you know, there's the whole, like, you know, renewable energy should be less expensive because you can't charge somebody for the sun, right? Sure. <laughs> but um, sure. I think it's sort of a compromise between... Um, between greedy companies and um, wanting to save the planet because, you know, I'm all in favor of living <laughs> and staying on this planet. I don't know about you all, but I kind of like it here. Um, so I'm willing to pay extra for um, renewable energy, right? But a lot of people don't have that luxury. So I think that, um, I think it's possible that company that we should at least cap renewable energy um, as far as, or it should be regulated in some way so that companies aren't charging outrageous amounts for renewable energy. Um, that way people have access to it and they have the choice to use renewable energy. Yeah, it gives people a choice as to how they want the future of their planet to look. And I think that's something that we need to give people is a choice at least. Yeah, another thing well, this is kind of a tangent, but um, I think, you know, because the agriculture and livestock industries, those are pretty bad for the environment. Um, and I think one thing that's very promising, obviously this is, honestly, I think this is more of a consumer um, kind of sided thing, maybe not so much government, but is like meat, right? Like, that definitely is totally lab grown meat agree, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I think that is a little trickier in a way because it requires people to give up their personal like preferences and stuff. Um, like I, for example, I've been a meat eater almost all my life, and I just kind of started eating more like vegetarian, vegan foods. Actually, pretty much just in this past year and a half, like during quarantine. And now that I'm in college, um, and it, it wasn't even about the environment for me. It was more about like animals. Like I'd watch yeah, a documentary mm -hmm. on like the ethics of like what they do to animals in factories. And, you know, some people are like not disturbed by that, but like it really disturbed me. Um, and it kind of made me like emotionally um, kind of motivated. So I think if we can make it make make actions like emotionally motivating to people because it's like you tell someone, oh, the planet's going to die in 50 years, you know, uh, you like throw numbers at them or whatever. Yeah. That's not emotional. Like people don't react to numbers. But if you tell them like, oh, your house is going to, has a high chance of like burning down or something in 10 years or like something like tangible or like you show them like a, you know, documentary or like their friends are affected. I think Ricardo like had that. something kind of interesting to say about, he said this at the last meeting where people just sort of like 
block certain things yeah. like that out of their mind sometimes. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. The, like, what, what, what was it that you uh, said? I, I'm pretty sure I think I said that we are really detached from a lot of that stuff. Because a lot of that stuff happens to people of lower income backgrounds where they're in areas that are more susceptible to these things. Because, of course, if you have money and you can sort of foresee the future, you, of course, want to build your assets in a place that won't easily be destroyed by natural events. Unless you're one of the people that likes to live literally on the beach and get their house destroyed every other year by a hurricane. But that's yeah. another issue. Um, but yeah, like we, even as college students, right? Like we being here at Brody or in a building, we are very detached from what's happening outside. Here we have air conditioning, we have heating, we have, you know, lights, we have even technology, we have uh, so many of these things that somebody from lower uh, economic backgrounds just don't have and maybe they have to bear the cold maybe they have to bear the increased levels of heat like all these different things that are affecting them way more than we are so that's why for a lot of these people the repercussions of of the scale on earth is essentially not viable to them they can't see it because they're not being affected by it on a daily basis sure they might perceive it being hotter outside than you know, in years past, but at the end of the day, that heat, that discomfort is only going to last from, I don't know, their car to inside of their house, right? Instead of somebody who has to work outside, who has to bear the heat the entire day. So I think to people, at least, that do have to bear other things in mind and kind of know what, you know, how this affects them personally, they're more willing to change than the people working in offices that are shielded from these types of things. So then the question is, how do we get people to um, people of privilege to empathize um, in that way, which is and sort of be more in touch with um, the social issues that climate change is causing? That's a tough question, because yeah. I think a lot of this, as far as, you know, I'm listening and kind of interpreting this information, a lot of it comes down to what gets in the way of the status quo. So for example, um, reforms for agriculture and eventually leaning towards a world of only vegetarians, it gets in the way of the beef industry. It gets in the way of the stereotypical American lifestyle. And it gets in the way sort of, of a, a personal freedom that we have in this country that a lot of people like to enjoy is picking what we get to eat every night for dinner. And for a lot of people that's beef. So it's a very complicated issue of, you know, you have to pierce through all of those barriers, pierce through all of those things that get in the way to achieve the goal that you want. And I, and I think that applies to everything we've talked about so far, you know, going carbon neutral gets in the way of profits going you know going solar gets in the way of oil companies who are already established and also gets in the way of the government who probably wants to spend as little money as possible so they have more money you know to pay themselves and for military and other kind of frivolous reasons but it's a lot of give and take and compromise and i think going back to the world in a hundred years I think it's going to reflect either our inability to compromise or get over these barriers or our ability to compromise and 
see that there are some things that are greater than the barriers and that forces us to overcome them. I think something that has sparked my mind like several times in the past when thinking just about food and the quality of food that some people get. Uh, so, you know, there are like sometimes food deserts, right? Some uh, areas just don't have fresh vegetables and essentially good and nutritious food available to them. They might just have a corner store that has the very basics and, you know, food that isn't the best. And it always boggled me how sometimes the cheapest food that you can find isn't necessarily the best food for you. And rather the luxury of being healthy in a way is something that you have to pay for. So I really don't know how this would work, but I've always imagined what if we switch that around? What if, you know, the greasy food became a luxury rather than the healthy food? Same thing with like, you know, fossil fuels. And like I said, this is, this isn't like a Bible thing that I'm trying to say. This is more of a thought experiment. Uh, But what if, you know, gas powered cars were a luxury and electric cars were just the cheap ones that everybody got? That would change a lot of the ways. And we, if we start like implementing these in a lot of different ways, it would start to change how the planet is affected because you give the luxury only to the people that have the means to do it. And we already know how small that amount of people is compared to the rest who would have to rely on cheaper, safer, better alternatives for the environment, which at the end of the day is the majority of the population on Earth. So more of a thought experiment rather than like something to implement, but... I don't know, something interesting to think about if we like were to switch things up in that sense. That's really interesting. That reminded me um, when I was in, one time when I was in uh, Europe in Greece, um, I went to like a supermarket and the prices of like the processed foods is actually far more expensive than like the organic, like if you just go to like a, like a, I guess market like open market um it's like 10 i don't know 10 times cheaper i would say yeah it's like it's wild um so (laughs) that's kind of reminding me and maybe that's why like the mediterraneans are so healthy because they eat like real food unlike in the u.s where the real fake food yeah we we eat the fake food it's like made for like five cents you know and and lasts 5,000 years and last because 5, of all the years. preservatives. Yeah. The food's going to be here longer than we are. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, to be completely honest, marketing works wonders for things. So if you're able to market something as, oh, look at how long, look at how good this is because how long it lasts, you could potentially upcharge it. You know, it's a feature. It's not a bug. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, exactly. So, I don't know, yeah, so if, if there's some mar- marketing geniuses that can, like, get everybody on board to do better things because it's cheaper and hike up the price of the other things without people being mad, uh, that could be interesting. I'm I'm envisioning, like, a like a riot or something. Like, someone just, like, destroys all the factories. <laughs> yeah. And it, like, just causes a supply shock. And then automatically all the good food become or the healthy food becomes cheap. Yeah. Because the processed crap <laughs> becomes expensive i'm just imagining so. like a social justice marketing team that would be really intense you know as far as like marketing products with the intent of um closing the gap yeah, between that's, that's interesting you know what i mean like 
like marketing uh, it's sort of like i guess ethical marketing as opposed to just trying to profit trying to like marketing with the cause of like you know what i mean yeah it's actually a really good idea like a marketing initiative to make i don't know i guess to, to make a more equitable world yeah basically yeah that's the essence of it i think we i mean we haven't seen something along those lines like as a, as such a big scale but i think you can kind of liken them to those anti-cigarette ads where it's for the welfare of the people um and they're not really trying to sell you anything like they're not even trying to sell you alternatives or nicotine patches or anything they're just telling you to stop so i think that i don't, I don't know how effective it's been for smokers but I think maybe something along those lines is kind of a, a good insight and it might be useful, which kind of also brings me to something that we haven't really thought about. We've thought about a lot of big things like, you know, huge achievements and huge roadblocks like climate change. And I know yesterday we talked at length about, you know, Mars and going into space in a hundred years, but what do you guys think humans will look like in a hundred years? Do you think we'll be the same? Do you think, because of our diets will be, you know, fatter and our bodies, our biology will reflect that? Or do you think maybe we will just be the same kind of, you know, figure and same kind of, I guess, intelligence, brain size, body mass, etc. Dang, that's, that, that's a tough question. I think if this question was like said, a hundred years into the past it would be different just because of travel but like you know like I'm, I'm watching an anime called like Vinland Saga and so it's about Vikings and we all know where we can picture like Vikings being huge meaty people with like a lot of strength right and uh but like now that we have so much travel like people are able to intermingle between so many different cultures that you can't really tell but I think it's, I think we're going in like many different ways, right? Uh, and obviously like we have technology to aid us. Like one example is like bodybuilding, right? Like the, the bodybuilders that we have now, or, you know, the capabilities that they have now are not the same ones, even like 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And obviously that's, uh, with the help of, uh, performance enhancing drugs and a lot of other stuff. But I think in general, I think we will see a lot of variations in people even with the aid of, if we take into account like the aid of like medicine and a lot of these things, because people are able, like people are able to change so drastically compared to what is available just naturally. Like I said, like picture a bodybuilder and what you can achieve naturally versus like huge, like people with muscles that, you know, are aided with performance enhancing drugs, which may not be healthy, but you know, still gives a lot of variation in body types, I'd say. So yeah, I think we will be, different i don't know how exactly but i'm pretty sure we will be like you You will probably see a noticeable difference among like the best and like both ends of what a human shape can achieve i guess i totally agree um i think specifically our food is gonna change a lot i mean look at how much our food in general has changed within the past you know 10 years 20 years you know like it, it's rapid and you see, you look at America and there's all this talk about there being an obesity problem and linking it back to what we said earlier, um, 
the greasy foods are actually the cheapest and it's a privilege to eat healthy. Um, it's possible that there will be breakthroughs in health food and that suddenly those will become cheaper. So we could potentially be a more healthy country. On the other hand, it could go, you know, in a healthy world as well. It could also go the other way. <laughs> but um, I like to think that, uh, I like to think that we would use that technology and the, um, and the, the research in that area to try and make breakthroughs and some sort of farming to allow human beings to live healthier lifestyles as far as the food that they have access to. And my hope is that in a hundred years, people will have the choice to be healthy. Um, and it won't be a matter of income as to whether you can be healthy, but that everybody has an equal opportunity to, um, to be healthy and uh, take care of their body. I think adding on to that, I can also see um, like the like medicine and like the human lifespan. I think the next hundred years in medicine is probably going to be like some insane developments. Like I could see humans having lifespan expectancies of like 150 years or something just due to like preventative medicine and like life, new life-saving like drugs and like medical techniques and I could see us having solved like big things like cancer and just various diseases like the Alzheimer's and stuff like that. Um, so I think in terms of like medicine and maybe even like tech, I think a hundred years from now is going to look really cool. My hope, you know, assuming climate change, not like wiped out of existence by climate change. I don't but, think in a hundred years we'll be wiped out, but in a hundred well, years yeah, we will out, be like in trouble like we will like our fate will be sealed in 100 years but <laughs> as terrifying as that is yeah but hopefully in that 100 years there are also like tech and med maybe not medicine but like tech breakthroughs that can allow us to kind of ameliorate our climate situation i think another well. thing too I think to add on to that is that um, medicine is allowing people to live longer, which means that they have longer lifespans where they can dedicate more time to research, which would enable breakthroughs like that to happen, right? True. Because so much of that, like, I think that, um, I mean, think about how much time we spend in an institution educating ourselves, right? I mean, I'm 20. <laughs> you know yeah. and i've been i've been a student my entire life right so if people are able to live significantly longer thanks to medicine it like 20 like if they're able to live say an extra 20 years imagine what you can do in 20 years like the research that a person will be able to accomplish and the knowledge that they'll be able to gain which will allow them to get to a point where they're able to make a breakthrough like that that could help to um to lessen our impact on our climate. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I could see us being just like a wiser society, like more, people will have more experience because they'll have lived through more of history. And like, I think that's that too, very yeah. exciting in a way. Um, 
So yeah, on that happy note, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It was a really interesting conversation. I think it's a very important conversation because it's it's our future, right? And I've always said this, but I think it's going to be like our generation, you know, the, what are we, like generation Z? I think we're considered Gen Z. Gen yeah, Z, I Zoomers. guess we can call ourselves. We're Zoomers. <laughs> Zoomers, oh geez. Zoomers, Zoomers, we're Zoomers. <laughs> nice. But yeah, I think, I, I, I have faith in our generation. Like, I, I think our generation is very promising. I think we're going to, over the next few years, we're going to like solve some of the world's greatest problems, including climate change. Um, and yeah, so that's my kind of optimistic view. And yeah, I guess think about maybe what you could do in your own life. Um, maybe, you know, you could convert to more like vegan and vegetarian options, or you could, you know, write to your government officials to like do something about climate change, or maybe even you could go into politics yourself and try to, great change from the the top down um but with that thank you ricardo max and john thank you yes and uh we'll see you on the next one bye bye